Praise God. Well, um, you're very welcome um, to our, our meditations of a new creature. You know, our purpose is to walk in destiny. And, um, and if we would receive the insight we're, we, we're getting today and in these sessions, and um, we make a decision to obey the word and inculcate the habits, the new habits that are required, uh, then we will walk in our destiny. Amen. Uh, your hunger for God, your hunger for the things of God has brought you here. Yeah. And um, I, I don't want you to underestimate what's going on here today uh, because I believe that it holds the secret uh, to you and I walking in the destiny that belongs to us in God. Amen. So it's important that you apply yourself to what you're hearing. If you feel sleepy, get up, walk around, um, get the CDs, listen to it over and over again because it will change your life. Amen. It will change your life. Hallelujah. Yeah. In fact, you know, anyone that does not know these things is going to have to learn these things to walk in their destiny. There's no other way. It's just like there's no other way to heaven. I make no apologies for that. The Bible says that uh, there's no other name under heaven by which a man can be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. We make no apologies for that. It's not like we're trying to be politically correct or incorrect. It doesn't really matter which side of politics you are on. Truth is incontrovertible. Yeah? Um, and the truth is, uh, there is one God and only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, in like manner, uh, to walk in our destiny, our God-created destiny, there are certain things we must understand and there are certain choices we must make. Until we make those choices um, and the right choices, we can't walk in what God has provided for us. Amen. So the sooner we apply ourselves to these, the better. Hallelujah. You know, in Mark 4.24, uh, the, the Amplified says, the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear is the measure of virtue and power you'll get from it. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear is the measure of virtue and power that you'll get from it. Uh, so when you measure the truth correctly, when you give it the appropriate level of importance, uh, and when you um, let it occupy your thoughts, then you will receive the power of the truth. Amen. Uh, truth is not obtained by everyone. Okay? Um, and you need to apply yourself to it because you determine how much power you get from it. Hallelujah. Well, we know that in, um, in regular planting, if you have a seed, um, you know, a seed can have maybe 100% productivity, but you can have zero to 100 from it, can't you? Yeah, if you take a seed and put it on a table and you admire it and you paint it, you are going to have zero productivity, even though it's still a seed, right? If you put it in water, you get some productivity. If you put it in soil um, that has... Um, uh, you know, that is not balanced in nutrients, you'll get some productivity. Um, but if you put it in good soil, you get 100%. So the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear uh, is the measure of virtue and power you'll receive. If you measure this as the word of God, because it's not my word, it is the word of God. Yeah? Um, sometimes you, you uh, disdain the vessel, um, you know, and, um, and as a result, unfortunately, you ignore what they are serving. Okay? Um, 
Uh, I stand here uh, as a minister of the word of God and I'm ministering God's word. So you need to measure it as the word of God. Hallelujah. Um, you shouldn't measure it any differently if Jesus appeared right now and spoke the same words to you. You shouldn't give it any more importance because this is the word of the father. Okay. So you need to measure it. You need to let it hit you like Jesus is speaking because he is speaking by his spirit. Amen. We're going to go through uh, several verses of scripture this morning or this evening. Um, make a note of them. Document them. It's important that uh, if you are serious about the word, uh, you have writing material. Okay? You're not going to remember everything I say. That's not a negative confession. Um, you, you, you need to write it down. You need to get the CDs. Um, and you need to demonstrate your faith by having writing material. Amen. You need to record it. Write it down. Um, that is a, that's a test to how important it is to you. Hallelujah. You know, this is the kind of day that people normally stay home. Uh, it's raining. It's not convenient. So the fact that you are here already shows that you are serious. So don't, um, you don't get points for being here. You get points but for measuring what you are taught properly. Right? Don't waste the time you are spending here by measuring it incorrectly. Let's start from 2 Peter chapter 1 uh, this evening. Um, this is a, a class on meditation, the meditations of a new creation. Uh, we're still laying a foundation and then we'll go into some meditation tonight. Um, 2 Peter chapter 1 uh, verse, uh, I'll start from verse 2 uh, and I'm going to be asking questions and, and expecting responses. It says, grace and peace uh, be multiplied to you uh, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Savior, as, or as Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It says, his divine power. Um, so it's saying, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Savior. Grace and peace. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Okay, the grace of God is the power of God. Yeah, the peace of God, um, well, the peace of God, uh, like um, Paul said on Sunday, is not passive, it is active. Yeah, it's the, it's, it's the power of God released through you that causes tranquility around you. Okay, um, God wants us to walk in peace. He wants us to walk in power, in grace. Now it says the experience of God's grace and God's peace is going to be multiplied to you as you know the Lord. Yeah, as you grow in the knowledge of of God and of Jesus, our Lord. The word knowledge uh, is the Greek word ginosko, which speaks about the experience of God. When we talk about knowledge, we're not talking about just knowing more facts. Okay, and we're going to dig into that a little bit tonight. Uh, it's talking about the experience of God. Hallelujah. Now it says, his divine power or God's power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power has given to us, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, this is a bit of old ground, so we're not going to spend too much time on it. Uh, the tense of this is past tense, isn't it? It is not present or future tense. It's past tense. So it says the power of God has given us some stuff. Okay? The power of God has given us something. The power of God has given us what? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, that sounds like an incredible statement. It would be incredible if it wasn't in the Bible. Yeah? This is the kind of statement that, that redefines your theology. Okay? So that means that whenever 
you need something, whenever you need something, you need to start from a premise. Okay? What is the premise we must start from? That, we are, that he has already been given to us. Okay? Now, now you know, you, you, we need to read the Bible with an inquiring mind. Okay? Be, because this is a major statement. This is a major statement. Okay? We need to make sure that, are, are we sure this is right? Well, it is in the Bible, so it is right. This is, um, um, this letter was written by whom? It was written by Peter. Who was it written to? Yeah. Look at verse 1. It says, Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So he's writing this letter to those who have obtained the same faith that he has. And he qualifies the faith. It says the faith that brings righteousness in Christ. So this is not Judaism. Are you with me? So this letter is written to those who have received faith in Christ. That is us. Okay? So we know that even if there's any other book in the Bible that we question who it's been written to, we know this has been written to us. Yeah, this is a revelation of God given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to believers. Okay? Um, in Jesus Christ. That's to us. Now it says that God's divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Yeah? But then he says, through the knowledge of him that has called us by glory and virtue. Okay, so all things have, that pertain to life and godliness have been given to us. Now, the word life there um, is the Greek word zoe, which means the God kind of life. So it's speaking about a quality of life. And this is the quality of life that Christ demonstrated. Okay? Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have Zoe. Okay? And have it more abundantly. So Jesus demonstrated this thing called Zoe. So it says that God has given us all things that pertain to life, to us living the life of Christ. Uh, and so we can see what the life of Christ is by looking at the life of Christ. Because he demonstrated Zoe. Yeah? A life of love, a life of power, a life of wisdom, a life of intimacy with God. That thing that you desire, the life of God, um, it, it's all involved in the life of God. Yeah? The highest expression of life. Okay? It is not getting by. Okay, it is not, you know, okay, I have too much month at the end of my money. Yeah, it is having an abundant supply. Okay, so it says all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Godliness. 
Okay, I won't spend a lot of time with that, but when people think about godliness, they think about being like God, God-likeness. But the Greek word here is actually eusebia, which means um, reverence of God. The reverence of God. Yeah, all things that will allow you to live life to the max. Okay? And to live in reverence, in reverential worship of God has been given to us. Yeah? So when we have any issue, we always need to begin with this premise that the answer has been given. So we can legitimately start with the answer. Now, it didn't stop there because it says, through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. So everything, and he's going to expand on this in a minute. He says, everything that pertains to life and godliness has been given to us through the knowledge of him or has been given to us in Christ. Yeah? Everyone say in Christ. So all things that pertain to life and godliness has been given to us through the knowledge of him in Christ. Through the experience of him. Okay? Um, so all things haven't been given to us outside Christ, but all things have been given to us in Christ. Okay? Um, verse 4 is where I'm going. It says, by which have been given us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. It says, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So to unpackage this, what the Bible is saying is that God has given us in Christ everything that pertains to life and godliness. Okay? But it's in Christ. It's through the knowledge of him. It's not outside Christ. If you want life and godliness, you want everything given to you, you need to come into the realm of Christ. Does that make sense? Okay? Now, in this realm of Christ... Okay. You are now a partaker of all things that pertain to life and godliness. But in this realm of Christ, it says, through which he has given to us exceeding great and precious what? Promises. So everything that pertains to life and godliness have been expressed in Christ as promises. Are you with me so far? This is, we're going over all ground. Everything that has been given to us so when is, it, when is it going to be given? It has been given already. It has been given already. But he has, ex, he has given it to us as what? Promises. So there is a promise for everything that pertains to life and godliness. Okay? So everything that pertains to life and godliness, there is a promise. Okay? In the word that his divine power has given us. Are you with me? All things that pertain to life and godliness has been given to us through promises. But not just promises. It says exceeding great and precious promises. Exceeding great. That means that these promises are surpassing. Uh, they are great in magnitude. Yeah? 
exceeding great and precious. They are valuable promises. So when you take a promise of the word of God, you need to see it as something that is surpassing. Something that is great in magnitude. Something that is precious. And it is the expression of the power of God. You know, as I explained the last time, a promise of the word is different from a promise of a man. Because the promise of a person, if I made you a promise, and I said to you, if promise is always done in future tense, if I'm going to make you a promise, it is always going to be in future tense, isn't it? It is, it is, it, it's a word I'm giving you about something I am going to do at a later date. Now, if I give you a promise, your natural response should be a question. And what will that question be? When. Alright? But you see, God is not a man. And his word is his covenant. Okay? So when we talk about a promise of God, we are talking about an expression of his word that has power in it. Okay? An expression of his word that has power in it to bring itself to pass. If you came to me and say, I want to have an apple tree. I, wanna ha- I feel like eating apples. Okay? In fact, I want to be having, I love apples so much, I want to eat apples all the time. And I gave you an apple seed. If you were God, that would be called a promise. Yeah? Now, what is unique about an apple seed. It has apple trees in it. All you need to do is take the apple seed and plant it and you'll get an apple tree. Whereas a man would say, I will give you an apple at some point in the future. When God gives a promise, he gives you an exceeding, that's why they don't just call promises. They're called exceedingly great and precious promises. Yeah? And it says, through this promise, you will become a partaker of of the divine nature. You become a sharer. You become, uh, pardon the grammar, an experiencer. So if you want to experience anything in the kingdom of God, if you want to experience anything that has already been given, what has been given? What has been given? Exceeding grace and precious promises but what is, what are, what's the scope of those exceedingly great and precious promises? Everything that pertains to life and godliness has been given to you. But if you want to experience it, yeah, you need to engage with these promises. Because it said, through these promises you will become. Everyone say, through the promise, I become. Say it again, through the promise, I become. Say it again. Through the promise, I become. A promise of God is not a promise of man. A promise of man is a word they give you um, about something they are going to do at a future time. A promise of God is a seed which has within itself the power to bring itself to pass. And what determines when or whether you experience what he wants for you is how you engage with that promise. Are you with me? 
So whenever we have a problem, we begin with a prom uh, with a premise. And the premise is what? The answer has what? Has been given where? In Christ. The answer has been given in Christ. Why do I know the answer has been given? Because what? I'm sorry. Because his word says he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Yeah? So we need to begin with that premise. We need to begin with that. I'm repeating myself not because I don't have things to say. Because as soon as we walk through this door, yeah, the devil's going to come with an issue and you're going to think, where am I going to get the solution? Yeah? We must begin with that premise. Because it is the truth that all things that pertain, his divine power has given. Yeah? His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's the truth. Okay? And he says that all these things that pertain to life and godliness have been expressed as exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, through these, there is no other way you're going to become a sharer of the divine nature apart from through the promise. Through the promise. Through the promise. Because the promise is a seed. The promise is your answer. Let me give you an example of this. Let me give you an example of this. Look at Luke chapter 1. We all like examples, don't we? Look at Luke chapter 1. Verse 26. Now I'd like someone to read from 26 to 28. I'd like someone else to read from 29 to 31. And someone else to read from 32 to 34. And someone to read from 35 to 38. Yeah, let's read the story. Now we need to bellow it out. Let's go to the back.
Okay. I'm coming closer. Yes? Okay, good. I like this. This is a good story. The angel comes and says to Mary, Rejoice! You have found favor with God. And he tells Mary an incredible thing. He says, You're going to have a child, and you're not going to sleep with a man. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And Mary said, How is this possible? Seeing that I don't know anybody. And um, the angel says that Mary, don't be afraid, for with God, nothing is impossible. For with God, nothing is impossible. Um, With God, nothing is impossible. You know, um, and then Mary responds and says, okay, be done unto me according to your word. Now, when you read this um, passage, that's verse, verse 37, that says, with God, nothing is impossible. When you read that in the Amplified Version, um, look at the Amplified Version of that. You know, when it comes to Bible study, like I said the last time, it's important that you have a couple of translations at least. Let's start with that. Um, a good translation to have, apart from the New King James or King James, is the Amplified Version, um, because it amplifies it. Uh, the English language is translated from the Greek language, and in the Greek, um, there's a lot more expression. Yeah? You know how, it's just like speaking in Yoruba and in English. You know, there are certain things that, if you're going to translate from Yoruba to English, it will be very difficult. Yeah? But if you're going to translate it properly, you'll need a lot of words to really express it. Uh, are you with me? Um, and for the sake of brevity, um, when you're translating, they, they just use like a summarized version. And sometimes you lose the import or the impact of what is being conveyed. So the Amplified Version actually goes into the original languages and, and uses a little bit more words to give you a, a better sense of what was being said. Okay? So, when you read the New King James, you just think, well, this angel came and said, God is giving you a promise. This is a promise, right? Okay? But we'll think about it in human terms. That, okay, you are going to have a child. And at a later date, at some point, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And uh, then it will happen. Okay? That's like a promise. But look at it in the, the amplified version. Um, Luke one thirty seven. Does anyone have the amplified? Okay, could you read it out, please? Okay, it says, for with God, nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. No word from God. So a promise is a word from God. Everyone say a promise is a word from God. It says, no word from God shall be without power or 
impossible of fulfillment. No word from God shall be without power. Everyone say, no word from God shall be without power. Um, now, what does that mean? It says, so Mary, Gabriel is standing in front of Mary and says, this is the word from God. It's a promise. And Mary says, how is this going to happen? And he says, well, this is how it's going to happen. I am Gabriel. I am a messenger of God. Angels are messengers, aren't they? And what are they messengers of? They are carrying the word of God. And he said, this is the word of God to you. No word from God shall be without power. Yeah? In the Greek, when it says no word, it's arema, which means no spoken word. Impossible is adunamis, which means without power, without dunamis, without power within itself to bring itself to pass. Every word that God speaks, every promise has within it the power to bring itself to pass. I'll say it again. Every promise of God has power within it to bring itself to pass. So once God gives you a promise or once God gives you a word, he does not need to fulfill it. Yeah? When God gives you a promise, and that's why the Bible says his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And he has given those things to us as promises. Okay? And every promise has within itself the power to bring itself to pass. So if I have a problem and I begin from this understanding that God has given me all things that pertain to life and godliness... I go and look for the promise that applies to that. And I understand that this promise has the power within itself. It is called an exceedingly great and precious promise. It has within itself the power to bring itself to pass. So if I just take that promise and, and, and understand that through this promise I will become. Everyone say through the promise I become. Say it again. Through the promise I become. Through this promise you become a partaker or a sharer of the divine nature. Yeah. The reason for all of this is God has created us to be like himself. God has created us to be what? Like himself. He has created us to share in his divine nature. To be like himself. To partake of the nature of of, of God himself. Not just saying Jesus lives in me. Okay. Uh, it's not so much about Jesus living in you. It's you sharing. It's you. It's Jesus living through you. That we are more interested in. Yeah. Thank God Jesus lives in us. But he wants us to be sharers of the divine nature. In expression. And the way we become sharers. Comes down to what we do with the promise of God, because the promise of God is the power of God to bring itself to pass. Everyone say the promise of God is the power of God. You know, um, the Apostle Paul in, in, um, in Romans 1 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel is the power of God. He didn't say the gospel leads to the power. He says the gospel is the power of God. Yeah? If you want to experience the power of God to save somebody, give him the word of God called the gospel. And through that word, they will become sharers of the divine nature because that word has the power to bring itself to pass because it is an exceeding great and precious what? Promise. 
Hallelujah. It's an exceeding great and precious promise. Let's look at a couple more verses that goes with this and then we'll get into the meat of this tonight. So the way we engage with the promise determines what we become. The way we engage with the promise determines what we become. Hallelujah. The way we engage with the promise determines what we become because the promise is the power of God. It has the power to bring itself to pass. The way we engage with the promise determines what we become. Yeah, not how long you pray. Yeah, prayer has a very important part in our lives. But the way you engage with the promise determines um, what you become. Because true prayer, somebody once said true prayer is telling God what God told you to tell him. Yeah. So if you don't know what he told you to tell him, you're not really praying. You're just complaining. Are you with me? Yeah. It's called contemplative prayer. Yeah. You cannot pray until you have the promise. Yeah. Because that's why the Bible says that when we pray according to his own plan, when we pray according to his will, we know he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have as our present possession that which we have asked of him. Yeah. So there is a step before prayer. What is the step before prayer? The promise. Yeah. What is the promise? The promise is the power of God. It is through the promise that I become a sharer of the divine nature. Through the promise. Look at um, let's look at a couple of verses. Look at Isaiah 55. Uh, engagement with the promise. I think it's a little bit cold. You want to switch off some of the... What? Look at Isaiah 55. Verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down from heaven... And the snow, uh, rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but water the earth and makes it bring forth and bud. So that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It will accomplish what I pray. Please, it will prosper in the thing whereto I have sent it. Uh, if you study that passage out properly, you'll see that he's saying that, you know, my, my way of thinking is different from yours. My way of operating is different from yours. Yeah, but then uh, it's like the heavens are higher than the earth, but then something is coming down from heaven. What is it? Rain. Okay, it says the rain is coming down and the snow from heaven is just that way that my word is coming down. Okay, my word is coming down to you. Okay, um, and my word will be, will be productive in your life and it would elevate you to my way of thinking and way of operation. You become a what? A partaker of my of my nature. The purpose of the word is to bring us up. Yeah, the purpose of the promise is to bring us up, so that we can think like him, and we can operate like him. Hallelujah! He wants us to be sharers of his nature, of his divine nature. But what determines whether we think like him, 
Uh, what determines whether we operate like him is how we engage with the promise. Because it is only through our engagement with the promise that we become sharers of the divine nature. Are you with me on that? Look at Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Romans 12, 2. Aside from verse 1, it says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world. One translation says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. It says, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Um, That you may prove or that you may experience the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It says you are transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. We become changed. We become transformed. We become sharers of the divine nature through the renewing of our minds. Yeah? Uh, This is essentially what Isaiah 55 is talking about, saying that um, um, his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. As we engage with his word, it renews our minds. It changes our thinking. It changes our perspective. It changes our way of operating. It changes the power of our lives. And as a result of that, we become sharers of the divine nature. The Bible says that once our minds are renewed, we will be transformed. The word transformed is the word is the same word where you get the English word metamorphosis, which is a change of form um, or a different level of expression. Yeah? You know, metamorphosis is what causes a caterpillar to become a butterfly. Yeah? Caterpillars and butterflies look very different, don't they? Yeah? One is ugly and the other one is beautiful. It's what makes a... Um, a tadpole become a frog. Yeah, a tadpole swims in the water. Uh, a, flo- a frog can do water and land, right? It's amphibian. Okay, um, you might think they're different animals, but they're the same. But one has been transformed. Yeah, a caterpillar just looks ugly and eats a lot of leaves. Uh, a butterfly looks beautiful and flies. But they have the same life in them. What's the difference? One of them feeds. The caterpillar keeps feeding. And something happens. The life on the inside now comes out on the outside. And it looks so different. Are you with me? Now, when you and I, um, who are in Christ, um, engage with the promises, we will change. There will be a change of form. The, The nature on the inside will come out on the outside. And that nature is powerful. It's called the divine nature. Hallelujah. You will not recognize yourself. Okay? Uh, others wouldn't recognize you because you will think differently. There will be a different dimension of power in your life. You will not be a mere human being. You will be a son of God in the earth. Yeah, You'll be a son of God in the earth. And it all comes down to how you engage with the word. Yeah, Because the word is the power. Hallelujah. The promises are the power. This is how he has exp- expressed his divine power. All things that pertain to life and godliness have been expressed as exceedingly great and precious promises because the effect of engaging with them is exceedingly great and precious. Amen. 
So how do we engage with the word? Look at um, 1 Timothy 4.15. 1 Timothy 4.15. Now, we're not looking at how do we... Um, that statement, through these, you become sharers. How do we engage with the promises? How do we engage with the promises? How do we enter into this place of elevation to the thoughts of God? Anyone that sees this should read it. Read it out loud, please. It says, meditate on these things. These things. These things I'm saying to you. Meditate on the word. Give yourselves entirely to it. That your progress will be evident to all. You become a sharer of the divine nature. You would only make progress on the things you meditate on. Okay, wake him up. You would only make progress on the things you meditate on. You'll make progress where? It says meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely, completely to them. Okay? Now... You know, when, it, when the Bible says you should not be conformed to the world, it says don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. You know, there is nothing like, um, um, like a no man's land, you know, like we're just idling, you know, like we're neutral. There's a force that is currently acting on your life and my life. There's a force called the world system that is trying to squeeze you. You know, when, when the Bible says, don't let, don't be conformed to the world, or don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, so it's saying that there's a force that is currently at work on your life. Yeah? You can't cast it out. Yeah? So it, it, is, it, is, it is at work. Yeah? Or you, you know, you can try to be a nice guy or a nice girl. Okay? Like, I'm just, you know, just minding my own business. The force is acting on you. Yeah? This world system is, is designed to produce a kind of human being. Yeah? And the kind of human being the world system is, 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 is trying to produce is a human being that is dominated. Okay? We don't have time to look at that. Um, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that, that death reigns. Yeah, death reigns. The world system, which, is, which has behind it the satanic influence, is aiming to enforce certain things on our lives. To squeeze us into a mold. Hallelujah. Okay? Your work will squeeze you. Trying to keep you down. Yeah? And you think that you, you break out, but you won't. Your, your, the, your television... Is feeding you, you know, it just feeds you negative stuff. It's gonna get worse. It's gonna get worse. You you should feel more insecure. You should, you know, don't trust anybody. Though it's it's trying to squeeze you into its mold. Are you with me? So there's already a force that is at work within you. Yeah, upon your life and upon my life. But the Bible says that. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We must engage with the word. But it says how to do it. It says meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely. 
entirely to it. Entirely. It's, it, you are going to need to push against a prevailing force. Yeah? By giving the word your attention. Proverbs 20 says, Attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Yeah? Because there's going to be a lot of stuff that is going to be trying to get your attention away from the word. Yeah? Whatever the Bible says about you and about your life, there will be more things saying the negative to you. Are you with me? But when you focus on what God says and you pay attention to it, irrespective of how many things are saying the negative, it will become the loudest thing that you hear. It will become the basis of what you believe. But you must make that decision that I'm going to give attention to what the word says. I'm going to give it complete attention. Are you with me? It says meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them and then there will be progress. 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 You know, I, I know I mentioned this before, but, but I find that there is a compounding, everyone, most people know what compound interest is, but there is a compounding effect that we need to make progress. Are you with me? It is not about just doing one thing once. Yeah? We need to, we need to give ourselves completely to it. Yeah? And then there will be enough momentum and compounding to make progress. Okay? I love using, um, you know, learning an instrument. You know? There, will always, there, there, are, there are roadblocks you get to. And it's only your compounding attention that causes you to push through those roadblocks and then you break into a new area of progress. Are you with me? And that's why 1 Timothy 4.15 is very clear. It says meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them and your progress will be evident to all. You don't need to announce it. They will see it. Alright? Because when you become a butterfly and you are flying all over the place, everybody's going to see it. You don't need to print a business card. You don't need to tell everybody that you are now flying. Do you understand? Everybody will see it. But it all comes down to how we engage with the promise. The promise you engage with and give yourself entirely to is what you are going to make progress in. I don't care what kind of sickness you have in your body. I don't care what kind of sickness you have in your body. All things that pertain to walking in the life of God have been given to us through exceeding great and precious promises. You know, the word of God is not of this world. It comes from heaven. The word of God is not from here. All things were made by the word of God. The Bible says that through faith we understand that the things that we see were not made of things which we, uh, were made of things that we do not see. It says that the things that are seen are temporary. The things that are not seen are eternal. Everything that you touch, feel, taste, handle, and see came from the word of God. Came from the realm of the spirit. The word of God is not from here. The promises of God are documented in scripture. 
But the scripture is not the promise. The promise of God, the word of God, is a spiritual substance. Are you with me? We're just documenting it physically. It is not from here. Yeah, it is not from here. So, when you receive the word on a matter, you are receiving spiritual substance. It is not from here. I don't care what sickness it is. Yeah? The, the body was made by the word. And the Bible says that he upholds all things by the word of his power. Everything is kept in place and held in place by the power of his word. The word that created your body will change your body. And that's why in Proverbs 4, he says the word is life to those who find it. And it is medicine to all their flesh. But it's not life to everybody. It is life to those who what? Who find it. To those who find it. To those who find it. What does that mean? It means those who engage with it. Those who meditate on it. Those who give themselves entirely to it. Are the ones that will make progress in it. I don't really care how many scriptures you know. Or how many scriptures you can quote. Okay? It is not about the renewing of your mind. It's not how many scriptures you can quote. It is how many scriptures or how, how much of the life of God from that verse or from that scripture, from that promise is within your heart. And that's why he didn't say memorize the scripture. Give yourselves entirely to memorization. And your progress will be evident to all. There are people that memorize the scriptures that have no knowledge of the word. Because when the Bible talks about knowledge, it's talking about an experience. Remember, we said in 2 Peter 1 that says, Grace and peace be multiplied through you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it continues to say that his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge. The word knowledge is ginosko, which speaks about experience. Experience. He says, meditate. You don't have knowledge until you meditate and give yourself entirely to something. Are you with me? He said, meditate on these things. Whatever you meditate on and give yourself entirely to is where you are making progress. Hallelujah. Is where you are making progress. You want to make progress in wisdom? Meditate on the promise. You want to make progress in, in the area of health? Meditate on the promise. You want to make progress in the area of, of walking free from habits? Meditate on the promise. Whatever it is that you have a problem with, begin by understanding that his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness uh, through the knowledge of him and it has been expressed through exceeding great and precious promises and then meditate on them. And that becomes the doorway to a new realm. It becomes the door to a new realm. Hallelujah. It becomes the door to a new realm. But you've got to meditate on it. You've got to give yourself completely to it. Hallelujah. It becomes the door to a new realm. People say, I have not experienced heaven. You haven't meditated in the word. It becomes the door to a new realm. The word of God activates the Holy Spirit. Yeah? It activates the Holy Spirit. It opens you up to a new realm. As we meditate on the word. Hallelujah. It is what you meditate on that you make progress in. 
what you meditate on. Now, what does it mean to meditate? It means to ponder while talking to yourself. We defined that a few weeks ago. You are pondering while talking to yourself. You are pondering while talking to yourself. We see in pictures. So, as we ponder, we are seeing the picture. You know, you meditate on who you are and what you have in Christ. That's what you meditate on. A picture of who you are and what you have in Christ. What God has given you. What his divine power has given you. Okay? That's what you're meditating on. You are muttering it to yourself. You are pondering on it. And you, you, are, you are seeing a picture of who the word of God or what the word of God is painting regarding what you have and what is yours in Christ. Yeah? You know when the angel said to Mary, you know Mary had difficulty with what the angel was saying. How many of us will agree to that? She had some difficulty. But when the angel said, listen, I am Gabriel. I am a messenger of the word of God. No word has, no word is, uh, does not have the power to bring itself to pass. This word is the answer. This word is the answer. Uh, this is the word of God and it has the power to bring itself to pass. So because I'm bringing the word to you, that is your answer. Immediately he said that, what did Mary say? Be it done to me according to what? Your word. So Mary opened her heart to receive the word. Oh, so in order for me to fulfill this thing and to produce the thing in my life, all I need to do is to receive it. Because the word has the power to bring itself to pass. So all Mary did was just to take, oh, 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 of course. The word has the power to bring itself to pass. I receive this word. Hallelujah. And if you read the next passage, she got up and she went to see Elizabeth to rejoice in the fact that she was going to have a child. How did she know she was going to have a child? Because she would received the word. Because the word is the answer. <laughs> Hallelujah. The word is the answer. The word is the answer. Okay. So. So meditating in the word means pondering the word or pondering the answer while talking to ourselves. Pondering it while talking to ourselves. So a promise is never something that God is going to do. It is what God has done. A promise is never what God is going to do. It is what God has done. Because the promise has within itself the power to bring itself to pass. So a promise always has to do with what he has provided for us. It is never about what is going to happen. It is always about what God has provided for us. Who you are now. What he has provided. Okay? Because if he's going to provide it, it means that it is not in the sphere of all things. Do you understand why I said that? Because all things that pertain to life and godliness have been provided. So if he hasn't provided it, then it can't be all things. That, that verse cannot be true. Yeah? All things. So there is a promise that deals with this thing that you are having a problem with. And as you engage with that promise, and you meditate on it in the context of... Um, what he has given, you would become a sharer in that thing. Hallelujah. You become a sharer in that thing. Okay, now let us just look at some of the practicalities of how meditation works. As we begin to meditate in the word of God. Let's look at some of the practicalities. And, um, um, but do you have any questions about what I've shared so far? The foundation that has been laid so far. 
about the way the kingdom works. silence in the house. Okay, let's look at some of the practicalities. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 13. Uh, Paul is talking here about the Holy Spirit. So, um, as we meditate, as we mutter the, words to, the word to ourselves, we ponder by talking to ourselves. We ponder by talking to ourselves. Okay? Uh, and what we're pondering is what he has said he has given us. So he promises always something he has given us. And that word has power within it to bring itself to pass. An example of this is God calls Abraham. He calls Abraham and says, Abraham, I want, I want you to call yourself Abraham. Abraham means the father of many nations. Abraham wanted a child and God gave him a promise. He says, Abraham, your name is now or Abraham, your name is now Abraham, meaning father of many nations. And it says you are Abraham because I have made you the father of many nations. Now, is that present tense, past tense, or future tense? Past. He says, I have made you the father of many nations. Now, Abraham didn't have children. But God says, your name is now Abraham because I have made you the father of many nations. Now, this is a trick question. When did he make him the father of many nations? No. He says, your name is now Abraham because I have made you the father of many nations. When did he make him the father of many nations? When what? When he changed his name. When he said it. When he said it. Because his word is his answer, isn't it? He said, oh, your name is now Abraham because I have made you the father of many nations. And the Bible says, God, who calls those things which be not as though they were? Because when he says it, they become. Are you with me? So he says, your name is now Abraham because I have made you the father of many nations. Now that's called a promise, isn't it? Now, if Abraham was waiting for God to make him the father of many nations, he would still be waiting now. Abraham had to be fully persuaded that what God had said, the word God had said he was able to perform. And he became fully persuaded in what God had said and he began to give glory to God. He began to give glory to God. And as he was giving glory to God, you know, no one said, oh, Abraham, these are the steps to faith. Give thanks to God. Yeah? He only began to give thanks to God because he believed that he was now the father of many nations. Because he had received the truth. Because the word of God is the answer. Yeah? The word of God is the answer. Everyone say the word is the answer. Say it again. The word of God is the answer. Yeah? So as we meditate on the word, what we're doing is we are pondering the word by talking to ourselves. We are seeing ourselves as possessors of what God says we are. Yeah? Because when God says you are something, that is who you are. Are you with me? When God says you are something, that is who you are. 
and you become a sharer of the nature of God in that area as you engage with this promise, as you meditate in that truth, as you say to yourself, this is who I am because this is who God has said I am. Hallelujah. This is who I am because this is who God says I am. And when you do that, your heart opens and receives the seed and your heart begins to produce the fruit. Hallelujah. We don't need to look for fruit anywhere else apart from our hearts. Fruit is not going to come from heaven. Fruit is going to come from your heart. Because the power of God is at work within that seed. Yeah? Any miracle that you receive from the word does not come from heaven. I use that blanket statement. Okay? Every miracle you receive from the word does not come from heaven. Every miracle comes from the promise. And your engagement with that promise. Yeah? And that promise is destined for your, from your heart. Every miracle is actually coming from your heart. Every miracle comes from your heart. Because that's where you engage with the promise. Look at Mark 4.26 before we look at 1 Corinthians 2. Are you seeing this today? Because heaven has given you the power through the promise. Heaven has given you the power. All things that pertain to life and godliness have been given to you. You can become a share of the divine nature through engaging with the promise. Jesus said this. Look at Mark 4.26. You know, but we've got to give ourselves completely to it. Hallelujah. We've got to give ourselves completely, 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 completely to it. Completely to it. And then you see progress. Mark 4, 26, it says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and shall sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed shall sprout and grow. He does not know how. For the earth yields crops by what? By itself. It yields crops by what? Itself. First the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Yeah? It says that this is how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom works this way. You know, what people tend to do is that we're looking for fruit, so we go to, to the Father and say, God, give me fruit. Yeah? That's what we typically do. But it says, Jesus himself was the one that said this. He said, the kingdom of God works this way. With seeds. He gives you exceeding great and precious promises. And when you take the seed and know that that seed has the power to bring itself to pass, and you plant it in your heart. How do we plant it in our hearts? Through what? Through meditation. It says when you plant the seed in your heart, you don't know how it grows, but the earth, your heart of itself, will bring forth. It will grow in your heart, and your heart will become fruitful, and then all you need to do is put in the sickle, the harvest has come. Your heart will become fruitful. So all the fruitfulness that we need in life comes from our hearts. The way our hearts are engaging with the power of the promise. Your heart without the word is nothing. It's like having, having, you know, fertile ground that has no seed. But when seed goes into fertile ground uh, and it is watered, there'll be, it will always produce, wouldn't it? Yeah, it will always. So every, every fruitfulness comes from your heart. So you can determine if you are fruitful or not. Yeah? If you 
Meditate on the word. Give yourself completely to it. And you sow that word in your heart. That word will be fruitful in your life. Hallelujah. Yeah, if, you're, if you're meditating on the book of Revelation, you're not going to get healed. Yeah. If you're meditating on healing, you're not going to prosper in other areas. Healing is prosperity, obviously. But you're not going to prosper in other areas. It's what you meditate on that you make progress in. It's what you meditate on that you make progress in. You know, Christianity is called the, the great confession. Yeah? Um, the confession of Christ as our Lord and Savior. Yeah? Uh, you know, I'm going to do a, um, a graphic that says Christianity, dot, 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 the great meditation. Yeah? The great meditation. Because I, I see Christianity as the great meditation of what God has done for us in Christ. Yeah? It's the great meditation. Okay, so the kingdom of God is as if a man should plant seed in the ground, sleep and rise night and day. It is from the heart that fruitfulness comes as we meditate in the truth of what he has given us and we give ourselves completely to it. All right, look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 13. Let's look at some of the dynamics of this. First Corinthians two thirteen. Someone should read that. Okay, it says these things we speak not in the words with man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, what will happen is this: as you begin to meditate in the Word. You know, there's a verse of scripture in uh, John 14, 26 that says that the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the things that we have heard from the Lord. Yeah? So as you begin to meditate on scripture, so you take a verse of scripture and you begin to mutter it to yourself. You see yourself in the picture of that verse and you begin to say to yourself, what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit will use spiritual things to teach you about spiritual things are you with me the holy spirit will use spiritual things because what what the holy spirit is doing is forming an accurate complete picture in your heart of who you are and what god has given you so the way the holy spirit does that is by using you see because this is spiritual matters so he uses spiritual things to illustrate spiritual truth. So he would remind you of another verse in scripture that talks about the same thing. So when you want to meditate in the word, you begin by recognizing the presence of the Holy Spirit. You are not going to know God by yourself. God must reveal himself to you and he wants to reveal himself to you. Because his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. But he has given us his word so that we can come up. And he has given us the Holy Spirit to help us. The Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit is real. Yeah? It is possible for God to be in a place and you don't realize it. Jacob said, he woke up at Bethel and said, man, God was here. And I didn't know he was here. God is in your life. If you are born again, the Holy Spirit is within you. The very third person of the Trinity is within you. He has been sent to teach you and to guide you into all truth. But how do you activate the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? 
It's not just by closing your eyes and saying, Holy Spirit, speak to me. The Spirit of God will remind you of the Word. It always begins and ends with the Word. It begins and ends with the Word. If you want to hear the Holy Spirit talk to you, begin to meditate in Scripture. Because the first thing that will happen is, as you are meditating the Word, and you are muttering the Word and saying, this is who I am. Um, I am the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. I am the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus unto good works as God has before ordained that I should walk in it. Whatever you are meditating on, the first thing he will do as you begin to meditate is he will begin to remind you of another passage that will give you greater clarity. You might not remember where it is. You might just remember a part of it. Yeah. Um, You might have to Google it or use your concordance to find that verse. But as you add that verse... To your meditation, greater clarity comes. Are you with me? So we need to understand that the, the Spirit of God will use spiritual illustrations to teach you spiritual truth. Okay? He gets active. And that's why it's so important that um, we, we pray. And we, that prayer, Ephesians prayer, we prayed at the beginning saying, Holy Spirit, help me. Open the eyes of my heart. Uh, Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. I need revelation, Holy Spirit. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's why it's so important to pray. That's why it's so important as we meditate, we quieten our hearts and and, and, um, we're open to the activity and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Somebody else to read Psalm 36 verse 9. Psalm 36 verse 9. Psalm 36 verse 9. Okay. Okay, you can start from verse 8 just to... No, verse 7. Amen. You know, I believe that um, uh, this is talking about the bounty that you and I enter into as we meditate in the word. It says, how precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. You give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of of life. In your light, we see light. In your light, we see light. The Holy Spirit uses scripture to interpret scripture. He brings to our remembrance the word of God. In the light we have, he gives us more light. Are you with me? Okay. In, In the light we have, he gives us more light. So the more you meditate in the word the more the Holy Spirit gets involved in your meditation. Are you with me? Because he has more to remind you of. Yeah? You've got to start somewhere. The more you meditate in the scriptures, 
the more material, yeah, the more material the Holy Spirit has to get involved in your life and give you greater clarity. Are you with me? Yeah? And honestly, the more you meditate in the word, the more you recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit sounds like the word of God. The Holy Spirit is the word. The spirit and the word are one. The Holy Spirit sounds like the word. So the more your heart is established in the word and the more you meditate in the word, the, the more you recognize the, the, the operation of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. All right, so let's get practical now. Okay, let's get practical. You know, all I've been doing is just laying the foundation of meditation, why it's important, how we engage, how we enter into this thing. But let's, let's get into some practicals. We have a few more minutes. Um, and then next week, it's just going to be practical all the way through. Yeah, we've laid enough foundation. We have two set, we've had two weeks of foundation. I understand we have, we have the CDs, right? Yeah, from the last time we, we met two weeks ago. And then this um, CD is going to be available on Sunday. Um, so next Thursday, we're not going to lay any groundwork. We're just going to go into meditation, okay? But I want to start with, so what we're going to be doing in these sessions is I'm going to be taking you step by step through what I consider to be the, the things that we need to be meditating on as new creations, yeah? The things that we need to be meditating on as new creations. Now, of course, meditating on the, on the whole word, but I, I just want to lay some foundation. So let us look at, let's start with uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 to 17. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5. Okay, verse 16. It says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. So if I read a verse like this, the first thing I ask myself is, what does it mean? Okay, what does this mean? And then, before I try to figure out what it means, I read it from other translations. Yeah, just to get a feel for it. Okay? So, if I look at it from um, the New Living Translation. So, I would recommend that you have New Living Translation, you have Amplified Version. For just to begin. Okay, just to begin. I think that's a very good place to start. If you use Bible software, you can easily buy it. If you don't, you can, um, there's, there's something called a 26 translation Bible. Um, you can get it in Laterna. And in fact, we'll make sure we'll get some available. Ken, we need to get some so you can see what it looks like. Um, 
it's it's a worthy investment yeah um so you know it, it, what it does is it doesn't have all it it, it draws translation uh, draws from 26 different translations so for each verse it lists um um other translations that are quite different from it or have a different um phraseology and it draws from 26 it's not like it lists 26 you know all the 26 because they're all very similar but where there's differences it lists them it's quite a big bible so you can't really carry it around you know um but i would recommend that you have new living translation or at least have um the amplified as well so just reading this from the new living translation it says it says so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view at one time we thought of christ merely from a human point of view how differently we know him now we've stopped evaluating everyone from a human point of view the new kingdom says we don't regard anyone according to the flesh we don't evaluate anyone from a human point of view yeah let's look at the amplified version It says, consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of natural standards of value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. So he says we don't estimate or regard or evaluate anyone from a human point of view. So it means, so we, we've read a verse, we have a better understanding of what it means. If we're going to meditate on this verse, we now need to see ourselves in it. It says we don't evaluate anybody from a human point of view. So if we see ourselves in it, how do we look at this verse? I don't evaluate myself from a human point of view. I don't evaluate myself from a human point of view. You know, we all begin by evaluating ourselves from a human point of view. Where I was born, what I have done, how successful I've been, how many businesses have worked and failed, how many marriages I have or have not had, how many children I have or have not had, what they've told me I can do or can't do. We all evaluate ourselves from a human point of view. Paul says, from now on, I no longer evaluate myself from a human point of view because there is much more to you than you realize. He said, look at Jesus. He says, we used to evaluate Jesus from a human point of view. You know, when Jesus got to Nazareth and he read from the book of Isaiah, I said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel. They said, is this not? <laughs> this guy made me a table before. Isn't this the carpenter? They evaluated him from a human point of view. And the Bible says that because of that evaluation, Jesus couldn't do any mighty works among them. They evaluated him from a human point of view. Yeah? He said, now we don't do that anymore because we, we've seen We've seen who this was. It was God in the flesh. He rose from the dead before our very eyes. He rose up and he ascended to heaven and he was caught up by a cloud. He wasn't just a human being. He was God revealed in the flesh. 
He said, therefore, we don't evaluate ourselves anymore from a human point of view. So I'm, I'm saying, okay, uh, from now on, I don't evaluate myself from a human point of view. I don't evaluate myself from a human point of view. I, I don't evaluate myself from a human point of view. No, so, so this verse is now waiting. We're waiting for more input. I don't evaluate myself from a human point of view. Verse 17 says, in the New King James, it says, therefore, from, uh, um, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, I no longer evaluate myself from a human point of view. Therefore, Therefore, for this reason, the reason I don't evaluate myself from a human point of view is because if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I don't evaluate myself from a human point of view. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, I don't evaluate myself from a human point of view anymore because if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Am I in Christ? How do I know I'm in Christ? You see, this is, this is the natural process. This is what happens. We've got to, you don't just, re, you don't just absorb everything. You've got to, it's got to be true. How do I know I'm in Christ? How do I, how do I know? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what we said earlier, because that was a trick question. What we said earlier is the Holy Spirit uses the word to explain the word. Yeah? He uses spiritual uh, things to explain spiritual truth. Okay? So when we are, when we, it's, it's a legitimate thing to ask the question, am I in Christ? Now, um, to answer that question, we, we, we must use the word to answer that question for us to have a true answer. Uh, are you with me? Because it is the word that explains the word. Yeah? So it says, I don't longer evaluate myself from a human point of view. Um, I don't evaluate myself from a human point of view anymore. Because if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So am I in Christ? Am I in Christ? How do I know I'm in Christ? How do I know that 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 I'm in Christ? Well... So that, that, that question, that question should give you a pause for thought. How do I know I'm in Christ? Because it's the person that is in Christ as a new creation. Am I in Christ? If I'm in Christ, then it is legitimate that I should no longer evaluate myself from a human point of view because anyone that's in Christ is a new creation. Am I in Christ? Am I in Christ? Now that statement could take you on a search. Yeah, could take you on a search because you may not be in Christ. 
It's not everyone that is in Christ. That, that, state, that question may take you on a search of a few months through the word to, to, to ask, to search out, am I in Christ? Am I in Christ? Look at um, John 3.16. Can someone just read uh, John 3.16? Okay. It says... Um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Um, look at um, look at First John. First John chapter three. First John chapter three, uh, verse one says, Beloved, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Um, beloved, now we are the children of God. It is not yet revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Um, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Okay? Um, now, it says in John 3.16 that God loves the world. God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten son that whoever believes in him Whoever believes in him. One translation talks about whoever believes into him. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, in the book of Romans uh, chapter 5, look at Romans chapter 5 very quickly. Oh, actually, look at Romans 10. Hallelujah. Um, verse, verse 9 says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you, shall, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the Lord, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when the Bible says that um, if anyone is in Christ, anyone that has come into Christ, anyone that has put their faith in Christ as, um, as their savior, 
uh, one verse of scripture, I'm trying to remember where it is now, says that whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. I believe that's in 1 John, um, I think it's chapter 5, verse 1. Yeah? Yes, that's 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. It says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who knows him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. So, back to second. So, you see how we're using scripture to explain scripture. Yeah? So, 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 5 says that we do not evaluate ourselves from a human point of view anymore. I don't look at myself from a human point of view. So, when, when we think about ourselves, what do we think? What picture do we have? It says, I don't do that anymore because if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. I am a new creation because I have believed in Christ. I am what the Bible calls born of God. So, I no longer appraise myself from a human point of view. I no longer look at myself from a human point of view. Um, you know, I don't answer to the name that I answered before. Not that I'm changing my name necessarily, literally, but I don't appraise myself from a human point of view. Just like Jesus, there is more to me than meets the eye. Because, as, because I am in Christ, because I have believed into Christ, I am now a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, one thing we haven't done is define what this new creation looks like. All we know is that we are new creations. So we need to dig deeper and see, okay, what is the, what is the composition of this new creation? All right? But so far from the word, we, we see that we should not appraise ourselves anymore from a human perspective. Yeah? Now, that will challenge your thinking. Because, you know, you only know uh, the, you only know what you have experienced about yourself. Have you heard people say, I'm just an angry person? I can't help you, I'm angry. Some people say, you know what, I just like women. Or I like men. I mean, it's just the way I am. Have you, have you heard that said before? And we've all said it, even if we haven't said it vocally, we have said it within our hearts. Yeah, this is just the way I am. I'm not good with money. All right? I can't help myself. You know, if I see it, I spend it. You know, I can't save. I can't, you know, I mean, I can't make it. My father was this. My grandfather was this. So I am like that. We all appraise ourselves from a human point of view. But when you begin to meditate on this, it stops you in your tracks. Because no, I, I, I don't appraise myself from a human point of view. I have a different level of appraisal. If anyone is in Christ. Now, am I in Christ? I need to establish that. But if I have proven that I am in Christ, if the word has proven that I'm in Christ, then I am a new creation. Hallelujah. I am a new creation. I am a new creation. I am a new creation. Uh, I am a new creation. So when someone calls you Abraham, you say, no, I'm Abraham. Uh, I, I don't answer to that anymore. I don't appraise myself anymore from a human point of view. Now, you're not going to enter into this knowledge or into this fellowship by just saying it once. Because the world is trying to squeeze you into a mold. The world wants to appraise you from a human point of view. You are a Nigerian. 
That's what Nigerians do. The world wants to appraise you from a human point of view. You're a man. That's what men do. You're a woman. That's what women do. You're black. That's what black people do. You're a musician. That's what musicians do. You are a, the world wants to appraise you from a human point of view. And through the word, you must stand against that by meditating, by muttering to yourself. And giving yourself completely to it. Yeah? By giving yourself completely to it. This is not positive confession. This is not NLP. This is not trying to convince yourself that you are something that you are not. No, because it is the word that is establishing the truth of who you are. It's God that's telling you who you are. It is the exceeding great and precious promise that is telling you who you are. This is the truth. Yeah? And, and it, we must give ourselves completely to it. Hallelujah. Amen.